Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger, for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink. Meaning P stands for being persistent. I stands for using your intuition. N stands for networking. And K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. I am so honored that you're all joining us today, which is May 12th, 2021. We have a delightful guest. He's going to be telling us his personal story, Veer McCoy. And we're going to be discussing liberating yourself from Lyme disease. Fear, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself because your your biography, it's huge. I mean, I can't think of anywhere or anyone that has accomplished what you have. So the platform is yours. Thank you. Hi. Um, Yeah, uh, I'm sort of a man of many hats. I'm actually trained as a uh, biologist, so as a field biologist. So what I do is I do species, endangered species surveys for birds and plants and animals. I'm the guy that goes out there and sees if you have an endangered animal in some area. So I have this very scientific brain. And then I'm also a musician, and uh, I've been playing music for years. And so I kind of have the the brain of a a scientist, but the soul of an artist. And uh, that actually came in quite handy, as we'll find out. (laughs) Good. Uh, Is that left brain, right brain? I think so. I don't know. I think of it more as like my brain and, you know, and maybe my soul. Well, the science, yeah, the science part you know, is one, one section of the brain, and then the artistic part is the other. Yeah, exactly. And that, that became a very important tool, which I'll tell your listeners about. Okay. Well, let's get started. So, yeah. So I, in 2001, I was out doing a field biology job, and I got bit by a tick, although I didn't note it, note it at the time. And I was living in California in Marin County, which is just north of the uh, Bay Area across the Golden Gate uh-huh. Bridge. I was living in, it's kind of a rural area. I was living in Marin. And uh, I was taking a shower. 
Now, sometimes when I'm doing these jobs for like a couple of days, I'm out in the field for a little while, and I don't get a chance to take a shower, unfortunately. So I, took, I think I took a shower like a day later or something, and I found a tick embedded in my armpit, and um, it was dead. So it had been there for quite some time. I pulled uh. it out. I didn't know about Lyme disease. I had maybe heard of it, uh, you know, offhand as a kid, but I thought it was something that was, you know, on, only on the East Coast. So I, um, I didn't think much of it. I, I just pulled it out. I pulled ticks off me before, and then um, I seemed fine. The tick, the bite went away. But then about two and a half weeks later, I got a big bullseye rash on my stomach, on my belly. So we now know that 50% of people will get a rash after being bit with a tick with Lyme disease, and 50% of people will not. And that rash can occur anywhere on the body, not necessarily just where the tick bit you, but it can also occur as a diffuse rash. And I have this rash. I started showing it to people. I had no clue what it was. I thought it was poison oak or poison ivy or something. Ringworm. I showed it to some friends. Nobody knew what it was. It and I let it go. It, it, it went. It went away. And uh, I didn't. You know, I forgot about it. And then about two months later, I was playing some music with some friends, and my right arm would not move correctly. So it was like oh. a kind of a neuro, neurological thing where it was like move hand, move hand now. And my arm just would not move correctly. And so that's when I got really scared. And my uh-huh. friend said, dude, you need to go to the doctors now. So I actually went over to a friend of mine's house and um, read the, who happened to be a doctor. And uh, he didn't know what it was from telling him the symptoms, but we pulled out his Merck Manual of Diseases and went from A to Z. A, Alzheimer's, no. B, botulism, no. C, cancer, no. D, diaper rash, no. L, Lyme. Oh, my God, that's what it is. I put it all together. I put the tick by the rash and what I was experiencing, went down to the local clinic, and they demand that they test me for Lyme disease. Now, they didn't want to test me because they, they were saying that it doesn't exist here in Marin County. So I had to convince yeah. them to test me for Lyme disease. They tested me for Lyme disease finally, and then the test came back positive for Borrelia burgdorferia, which is the main bacteria uh, for Lyme disease. There's a whole host of other bugs we can get into, and that was when they gave me a 30-day course of doxycycline, which is a standard treatment. But keep in mind that this was probably about three months after I had been bitten by the tick. So we now know that it, once it gets away from you, if it goes over a couple of months from that bite, you, you may get in trouble if you haven't taken some sort of uh, antimicrobial or antibiotic. I took the antibiotics, 30 days, knocked all my symptoms out. I seemed fine. And then maybe two, three months after that, it all came raging back. And uh, that, was the, that was the beginning of my book. Uh-huh. Yeah, and we're, talk, we're going to be talking about your, your book, Liberating Yourself from Lyme, by Veer McCoy. So, three months 
after you have the antibiotic, it comes raging back. And what was it doing yeah. at that point? Well, let me let your listeners know to give you a little biology on the background of Lyme disease. So what okay. Lyme does, when it gets into your body, the bacteria, it has this ability to insist or lay eggs, if you will. It's like a it's oh. kind of like a parasite, really. And you have to think of Lyme as, as, as like a parasite. It lays eggs in you or cysts. And these little cysts are surrounded by a protective coating called a biofilm. And they call these persister cells, uh, you know, they persist. So these little cysts hide out in your nervous system, and they get into things like the ganglia of your nerves and the, uh, the joints and the tendons of your body. And so you get all sorts of bizarre symptoms. You'll get... um, which I, and I had all these symptoms, I'm going to say, but Bell's palsy, which is a partial, partial paralysis of the face. Um, it gets uh-huh. into your – it can give you dizzy, dizziness, vertigo uh, spells. It gets into the, your inner ear. You get arthritis, kind of a, a moving sort of rheumatoid-style arthritis. You'll get sore spots on your feet and your scalp, um, achy joints. Uh, you'll get fevers. Um, high fevers that can come and go. Um, and then you get, worst of all, you get this brain fog, uh, similar probably to what they're talking about with people who are getting COVID or long COVID, but you get this brain fog or this sort of disorientation of your brain that really comes from inflammation. So it gets into your brain and it causes the brain to to inflame and you have all sorts of crazy symptoms, uh, dizziness and, and inflammation, in addition to anxiety and a very real mental uh, instability and, and a lot of fear. And so people can get diagnosed, and when someone goes into the doctor and they don't know what they're dealing with Lyme disease, and they get diagnosed with something completely different, like, oh, this person yeah. is bipolar, this person has arthritis, this person has multiple sclerosis, this person has, you know, vertigo. No, they don't. They have Lyme disease, and I got to watch the disease move through me and create all these weird symptoms, which I'd never had before, and it was like, wow, this is actually Lyme. So those little eggs, when they hatch, they hatch when the coast is clear, and they've shown that those eggs can last up to a year, maybe even longer, and hide out in your body, years. And they hatch when the coast is clear, when you're stressed or when your immune system's low, whatever it is, they pop out. And when they, when they hatch, they mutate. So what you had before is not quite what you're dealing with now. So ah. it's a very mutable, uh, sneaky, parasitic, uh, alien-like creature that likes to laugh. So what happened with me is that the antibiotics killed off probably the, most of the adult bacteria, but I didn't know about the eggs at that point. So what happened was those eggs hatched, and I flared back up, and I got really sick. And then at that point, I went to another doctor, and they did all these tests on me, including a spinal tap, and it found that I had super high levels of uh, white blood cells in my spinal fluid, which meant that the Lyme had gotten into my brain and into my, my spine. So oh, at this word. point, I started getting really sick. And um, 
So a big breakthrough happened, though. I started. I was taking a lot of antibiotics at this point, more doses, more rounds. And there was a moment when I was in the hospital. I did 40 days of intravenous antibiotics. Um, <laughs> not fun. But there was a moment where I was in the hospital. I was laying in the hospital bed. And I'm laying there, and I'm just in this utter state of despair. Like, what is wrong? Sure. You know, what's the matter? I'm... I'm a strong guy. I'm, you know, I'm a surfer. I'd like, I, I lift weights. At the time, I was, you know, 30 years old, 32. I'm 54 now, so I guess I was like 30, 32 or something. You know, I was right in the prime of my, my life, and here I am bedridden, and I'm laying in bed, and I had this moment of feeling into my brain. And so, you know, the way that a mother holds her baby, and if a baby makes a little sound like, huh, mommy knows what that means. That means that uh-huh. baby needs, needs to go to the bathroom or baby's hungry or there's something wrong. Um, I had nothing else that I could do, but I just started to feel into the pain. I felt into my brain like, you know, as, as if I was a Sherlock Holmes sort of looking around inside myself like, what does the pain feel like? What does it remind me of? What does it look like? In other words, using my sensory perception. And the way that we all get like hits about something, you know, say, oh, I got a hit about this or I got a download about this or I got this strong gut intuition that I should do this. That's what I would call this. So I'm laying in the hospital bed and I'm holding my brain and I had this idea of what if I just like held my brain like it was a little baby, like I described. So I'm holding this little baby my brain with all the love that I could muster and the most tenderest way. And I just asked my brain, what's the matter? What do you need? What's wrong? What's the matter? And I just kept holding it and, 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 you know, cradling it. Like, I love you brain. You know, don't, Uh don't die on, don't die on me. I love you. What's the matter? What do you need? And I'm holding the brain and, after a few minutes of just quiet of me doing this, I had this beautiful image of a tree in the forest. And up the side of the tree was mushrooms, shelf mushrooms, not the kind that grow on the ground, but those ones that grow up on the tree. And it, they was like spiraling up to the sky in this tree like a Dr. Seuss, you know, cartoon or something. And I'm laying there thinking, and I recognize from my work as a field biology, one of the mushrooms. And I was like, that's reishi mushroom. And when I got out of the hospital, I looked up the other two. I saw three mushrooms spiraling up the tree. The second one was turkey tail. And the third one was shaga mushrooms. So I, I started to read up on these. What did these mushrooms do? And granted, this was in 2003 or something, and these mushrooms have become quite popular. You've probably heard of them, probably most of your listeners have Oh, yeah, I know about all of them, yeah, yeah. But at this point, there wasn't much information, and I hadn't heard about them, so I read up on reishi. Wow, reishi's been used for thousands of years in China. Uh, uh-huh. You know, it, it, and it's an amazing immune modulator. Turkey tail has been used as an anti-cancer drug in the United States. Shaga is another incredible immune booster. And it was like, wow, I think my body was telling me that I need these. And so it struck me that perhaps there's this other way of being um, 
And I later found out, I didn't know at the time, but it's what we call a medical intuitive. You heard this term or like a shamanic Absolutely. intuitive. Some, uh-huh. Someone, and I, and I realized like if we've been evolving and adapting on this planet for thousands of thousands of years, these bodies are made from the earth, right? These bodies contain all right. the byproducts and minerals and plants. Maybe we don't have to be a shaman in the rainforest to find medicines to talk to the plants. Maybe we can do it too, but we just have to get our big, busy brains out of the way. Maybe there's a way that we can find out what remedies or what practices are needed from just simply listening to our bodies. So I started to develop this practice, and it's like becoming your own Sherlock Holmes. And I and meanwhile I'm doing all these protocols. I'm still seeing all the all the regular doctors taking lots of antibiotics and 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 all these things. But I started writing these things down um, that I was starting to intuit. And a huge breakthrough came for me, or a, a validation I must say about the mushroom, because not long after the hospital, I was reading in National Geographic about Otzi the Iceman. And if some of your listeners might remember, Otzi the Iceman was this frozen guy that they found in the Swiss Alps in the 1980s. Some hikers were hiking in the Alps and found this body that was starting to thaw out in the snow. Turns out this body had been there for over 5,000 years, and they called him Otzi the Iceman. They took this body down to scientists, and they did all these tests on him and saw what he was eating and what clothes he was wearing. Like he had really cool, you know, leather sandals, and they figured out what he was eating and how he died. It turns out he died from a wound to the chest from an arrow and managed to stagger away. But they also checked him for diseases. And it turns out that Otzi the Iceman had Lyme disease. He tested positive for the same bacteria. So that was extremely interesting to me, seeing that Lyme has, has been around for a while, or at least some form of it. And the next thing was that he was wearing a little leather pouch around his belt. And guess what was in that leather pouch? The mushrooms. The mushrooms, the same ones. He had those same kinds of shelf mushrooms, the same kinds of polypore mushrooms that grow up the side of the tree. And I I dropped the National Geographic with my jaw open and went, oh, my God. He was treating his line, or he went to a shaman or whatever they called healers back then and got prescribed those, those medicines. So that validated to me that that intuitive process was valid, was legitimate. So I kept working on that intuitive process like the way like a, a Sherlock Holmes would. And spirit, as, as Carl Jung says it, go ahead. You have, you have something to Well, I was on. just going to, in, in, yes, I was just going to interject that. Perhaps because you had the biology background, you were able to come up with that combination because yes. most people wouldn't have. Yes, right. It was very helpful to me. It was extremely helpful that I happen to be a biologist and my mind works in a sort of scientific way. However, a big part of the book is saying that you don't have to be that. I figured out what things were 
but your intuition is just as valid. And I encourage people to build that muscle behind the scenes, whatever illness that you're dealing with, to build that intuitive muscle. And it's as simple as holding whatever it is that's in pain. You can do your whole immune system, you know, your brain, your leg, your arthritis, and just getting your mind out of the way and just seeing what your body, seeing what arises. And oh, I believe then, that. I, I completely believe that. Yeah, it's really amazing. For me, what happened was is that I, I kept, I, I started writing all these things down. I started doing this, this practice, like a meditation practice. And I found that the best time for me to do it was in the morning. When I first woke up, when you're in that sort of liminal space, it's called, or that sort of in-between zone, the golden hour, they call it. I'm laying in bed and just feeling into my body and doing that meditation, holding whatever it is lovingly. So I started to write all these things down. And some things I didn't know what they meant. And Carl Jung says that spirit speaks in symbology. So that, that these images, these sensations will come through your sensory perception. It's not a mental thing. So, for example, you might have an image of something or a hit of something, or maybe a word pops into your head, or you'll have a, a feeling of something, or a, you may even hear it, you know, or you, you have a smell, you know, a smell or a particular craving or something like that. Those little sensory cues. So in a sense, you become like a, a sensory Sherlock Holmes, I call it. So I developed uh-huh. this long list. I started to develop this list of foods, medicines, practices, exercises, things that I needed to do that my body kept telling me. And at a certain point, I, was, I dropped the Western protocol. And I just went with what I had written down and went with that protocol. And there were some other big breakthroughs, which we can talk about it, but I, I came out of Lyme completely in about 2010. It took you a long time. It took me 10 years. And so hopefully the yeah. book, that's why I wrote the book, is that it will take you, you know, a lot less time. I wish someone would have handed me that book. Um, uh-huh. So the book, a big, a big part of the book is not only teaching you how to become your own intuitive, I show you all the remedies that I collected, and they may not be right for someone else's body, but, I'll, but I list them all, and as well as I go into the science of, of things, I get into antibiotics, I get into all the possible angles that you need to do to, to heal, including a major part of my healing was also delving into un, uh, unexpressed emotional stuff, old traumatic things that were dampening my immune system. How did you do and, that? Well, if we think about, so for me, I would say that there wasn't a particular magic bullet that okay. cleared me of Lyme. It was a combination of things. But one of the most important things is that is getting our immune systems 110%, right? Like yeah. how can we get our immune systems strong? And we have to look at what might be dampening our immune systems. What might be, what is it that's keeping our immune systems from, from getting at these bugs? You know, um, uh-huh. number one, it could, it could be things like uh, there's a whole host of a checklist that we have to go through. Mold, 
is mold is huge. Am I living in a moldy house? Am I exposed to mold? That that is huge with dampening the immune system and Lyme disease. Um, uh, electromagnetic frequencies. I got super super sensitive all of a sudden to things like cell phones, and so you have to remove yourself from those kinds of things, less screen time. Are you sleeping with your head right next to an electrical outlet? You know, you have to look at that. Um, what kind of food are you eating? You want to eat the best food possible. You know, does is it, is it have pesticides? Does it have heavy metals? You know, uh, our toxic uh-huh. load. Oh, do we have, do we have, you know, are we, are we toxic? Do we, do we need to do a little cleanse and get rid of some heavy metals? We live near a freeway. There's this checklist that you go down, and I write about all this in my fine book. But one of the most important checks we have to check is is love. In other words, if we don't love ourselves, you know, if, 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 if there's something in me that's like, I don't want to be here on this planet. I, I, I don't want to deal with everything here. I don't love myself. What's that saying to, to my body, my immune system? Well, your immune army is saying like, well, why should we protect you? You don't care. You know, uh-huh. you don't give a rat uh-huh. but about, about this. We're not going to go out and protect you. So there's a very direct correlation, and there's been so many books and stuff written about this, and it's the study of psychoneuroimmunology, or basically how your thoughts and feelings affect your immune system. So just the simple act of self-love, of acceptance and really loving ourselves can, 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 can go a long way in actually boosting your immune system. Well, and I get into this. Too. You know, I was just going to shift into that, loving yeah. others. But also, like, yeah. who is it that we're still angry at? You know, who is it that we haven't forgiven? Who hasn't forgiven us? Have we forgiven ourselves for something? All of those things can drag down the immune system. You know, if we're still super angry at our parents for whatever reason, you know, it might drag down our immune system. And when we get into the genetic component of it, there's, it could be that it's a genetic issue, that we have a genetic predisposition. But even then, is it possible that our great-great-grandfather experienced something so traumatic and passed it down? He wasn't able to resolve his trauma. And scientists now in the study of epigenetics are saying that, yes, this is possible, that your, your ancestors' unfelt traumas may get passed down to you. Is this wow. dampening our immune system? Yeah, maybe. Maybe this is the little glitch in our immune system, you know. So this is like a, a deeper place of maybe we got to feel, you know, we always say that feeling is healing, right? Like to move something, uh-huh. you just got to really it. But when we're little kids, we don't want to feel things like it's too intense sometimes to deal, you know, and it could be the same with our ancestors. So a big part of healing is actually feeling the feelings that never got felt, even if they aren't yours. <laughs> wow. It could be great. Great grandpa did something really bad and it's in there and you can't feel it. It doesn't mean that's who we are. It's not about attaching to that, you know, but it's just recognizing that old feelings have to move and to come back to some kind of place of grief or anger and moving those things to come back to places of forgiveness. So this can have a huge impact on our immune system. 
And I had to deal with this during Lyme disease. All of this came up because my doing this intuitive sleuthing, it wasn't just pills and remedies that came up. It was like, oh, my God, I got to forgive my mother. Oh, my God, I'm still angry at my dad. Could this be dampening my immunity? You bet. How did you know you were angry? You know, <laughs> good question. By doing that immunity, I was doing. I was holding my liver one time. I just imagined what my liver would be like, and I was just holding it. And I had this image of my dad, and then I had this image of a fist. You know, it was like, uh oh, oh I'm, still okay. I'm still pissed at him. You know, uh-huh. you know the sensor, spirit speaking and symbology. You know, my dad, and then a fist. That sounds like oh, I'd like boy. to punch him. Right. Uh-huh. Okay. I got some work. I got some work to do here. You know, what can I do to move that old energy? Well, maybe I should sign up for a karate class. Maybe I should get the old punching bag out. Maybe I should <laughs> scream underwater. You know, for your listeners, that's a great place to tap into some anger. In, take a bath. Take a big breath and scream underwater. Nobody's going to hear you. It's just a few bubbles will come up. You know, if you can't, if you can't if you don't have anywhere else to do it, punch the pillows, you know, scream into the pillows, you know, moving the, the stuck energy so that under that is almost always grief, almost always grief at some place of not being loved, you know, and then, and then you get to cry and then you get to come to some place of forgiveness and I'm not saying that that's going to completely be the issue. It may not be. And I'm not saying it's going to happen quickly. You know, forgiveness becomes a practice. This becomes maybe a practice your whole life. I mean, it might take lifetimes to forgive somebody, you know. Yeah. But the sooner you can practice it, the better and the more towards healing you can come to. Because, there's, it, like I said, it's a huge part of the health of the immune system. So once the immune system is t- tippy-top notch, it's going to be able to get Lyme out. And that's what I believe happened to me is that my own immune system was like, I gotcha now. You're not, you're not going anywhere anymore. And I haven't experienced any Lyme symptoms for almost, gosh, 11, 12 years now. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. And, you know, and this does not mean that you should not take your remedies or your pills or your antibiotics. It's just that we have this other tool, this very important tool to, um, to find out what it is that our bodies need. Now, I can tell your listeners, I can give uh, some lists of the things that I saw and the things that I found uh, very important. Do you want to okay. do that? Yes. Okay. So remedies that ended up being very important was I kept seeing a glass filled with wine in my mind's eye. And... So what's a glass filled with wine? You've got to put your Sherlock Holmes hat on. What's a glass filled with Reservatol? Good. Excellent, right? Wine. I need wine. So I looked up. Well, when you have those images, I looked up like, okay, wine and Lyme disease, right? Or extract of wine. And ding, 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 ding. Resveratrol. Wow. That's used in in uh for treating Lyme. It's a powerful antioxidant, you know, it's powerful antimicrobial in and of itself. That was a huge medicine. I kept seeing silver spoons. 
<laughs> Colloidal silver. That's an yeah. important one. I would see antibiotics as well. It's important to be open to anything. And in the, in the book, I write about anything. I almost called the book from ayahuasca to Zithromax. <laughs> you know, Not bad. Ayahuasca being the, the shamanic tool that people use in the rainforest, plant medicine, Zithromax being uh-huh. an antibiotic. Going to need, you know, you're going to need all the tools in your medicine kit, from homeopathics to Western medicine to whatever. Because anyone that's dealing with Lyme disease can attest, like, you don't care what you're taking. You just want to not feel the pain anymore. So um, let's see. Where was I? We were talking about uh, the remedies. Oh, yeah, resveratrol, colloidal silver. Um, there's some very doxycycline is actually a very important antibiotic for Lyme disease, but I found, and I'm not a doctor, but I found that it was only used in short bursts when things were really hitting the fan, when those eggs were hatching, and I felt like doo doo. Um, I found the antibiotics only work short term, like uh, maybe for a couple, two to three weeks. Um, uh-huh. That was very important. Um, I ended up doing bee venom therapy which was really profound for me. So they found that the that bee venom holds something called melatonin in it. And melatonin is this little chemical that they found kills the Lyme bacteria. Um, huh. That was super important. Yeah. And it's also, it's also in some clinical trials, they found it effective with HIV. So I put that on the list of important remedies. And these are what I call your antimicrobials or your antibiotics. Right, and then there's a whole host of other things. Um, some some of them Western, some not. Some people have been helped by a, a dr- the anti-alcoholic uh, drug called disulfiram. That's another big one. Um, if you're interested, you can go to my website, which is uh, liberatinglime.com, and I have all this information there. You can get a oh, copy good. of the book. You can get a copy of the book on Amazon or Simon & Schuster or Inner Traditions Publishing. It's all over the, the uh, Internet, and I, I do very thorough examination. Uh, foods. So I found some really important foods, and I always say this. Your body may be different, but I think that this is very important, is fats. Fats kept coming to me again and again and again and again. Um, High-fat diet. Eat as much fats as you can. Now, at the time, I didn't realize, I didn't think about what kind of diet I was doing. I just kept writing down the foods I kept seeing. And in the end, I looked at it, and I'm like, you know, this kind of looks like what they're calling a ketogenic diet, right? Uh-huh. So it's, it's, it's kind of like a keto diet is what it is. It's high fats. Now, granted, I was a vegan before I got Lyme disease. I was a vegan oh. for 12 years. Oh. And and the time when I was extremely sick with Lyme disease, I got the very clear intuitive medicine. Said, "Dude, you need to eat meat." <laughs> and not uh-huh. only do you need to eat meat, you need to eat liver. I kept having the sensation to eat liver, and it freaked me out. So I went from being a vegan for 12 years to trusting my <laughs> intuition and my body, and going home and cooking up liver and onions. You know, yep. but liver yep. is, is amazing. 
I came back to meat in a completely different way. I came back to seeing meat as medicine. That's not to be eaten like we do in our Western society where you just eat it madly every day, but to actually be really reverent to it, like to be grateful for the medicine that the animal is providing. And so uh-huh. I'd like to see meat as, meat as medicine, which is a really different approach. So, again, it's not so much about the meat, but it was about the fat. Um, especially I kept having images of, unfortunately, as some would say, was pigs. I kept seeing pigs, and I was like, oh, God, no. And, uh, you know, this coming, this coming from someone who unveganized, but uh-huh. pork fat became extremely important. So Lyme disease attacks the myelin sheath, and the myelin sheath is the covering of the, it, it makes up the covering of the neurons in our brain, right? And the myelin sheath is composed entirely of fats. So when the myelin sheath deteriorates from things like Lyme and Alzheimer's and schizophrenia, your brain starts firing wildly. Like you get all these crazy thoughts. And so the fats become extremely important not only to help heal those damaged myelin sheaths, but also fat is like fuel to your fire. So think about how we can set fats on fire. If you ever had a grease fire, some of us remember on the old stoves that you can catch fats on fire, right? Especially pork uh-huh. fat. So when you put the why, fat why the pork fat, though? Why pork fat versus some other kind? I don't know, and I, I mean, I did a lot of research on it. I kept seeing this, but I'm not sure why, but other than that, I think pork fat has the highest, the highest, uh, it's the, Myelin. you know, it, it's, it, it's the most saturated fat. It has the highest burning temperature. Um, it took me a while to wrap my, my, eye, my head around it, but, you know, I kept trusting it. So I list pork fat as number one, and some of your listeners will so, not do so that. So you're talking, and are you fun. talking about bacon? I'm talking about the bacon grease. I'm talking about lard. It's not so much about the bacon, but it's about the grease. You know, pour that stuff off, get the antibiotics, you know, free-range stuff, get the healthy stuff, Uh and pour off the grease and put it in a jar and then slather that stuff on everything. Now, it's like rocket fuel. I was coming to this idea that when you you eat high fats, your, to your gut and to your immune system, that stuff's like rocket fuel. Now, remember that our immune systems are comprised of thousands, if not billions, of microbiological activity, probiotics and enzymes. It's like a giant compost pile, right? Uh-huh. So we're going to get into fire. Fire is really important. It's building your fire with Lyme disease. You have to find the things that build your fire. So the, so the fats became very important. If you can't do pork fat, then coconut oil is, is great. That's a saturated fat. Avocados, um, olive uh-huh, oil, uh-huh. sesame uh-huh. oil, um, you know, any kinds of fats are super gotcha. important. And, the, and then the other things that, that make a fire happen really quickly, for those that have a compost pile, you know that when you throw grasses on a compost pile, that, that can even light a compost pile on fire. So the grasses become very important. Wheatgrass juice, drink as much as you can. You know, barley grass juice, alfalfa grass juice, that's one of my favorite ones. You can get these blends on the grasses. All the green veggies, 
good old kale and broccoli, mustard greens, really important, dandelion greens. You know, all the greens are super important. What you do not want to eat is sugars. And you've heard this a million times before, and you'll hear it again, is no sugars. The lime feeds on sugars. The uh, only sugar that I tell people they can eat is the berries, is, is the blueberries, that, the, the berries that are super high in antioxidants, like blueberries and raspberries, uh-huh. you can eat those. And I go into a lot more in my book. Okay. And then, yeah, and then exercise-wise, you've got to do exercise no matter what it takes. You've got to get the, the, the chi, the sweat moving, you know, infrared saunas if you can't do anything. Just get, the, get something, you know, do sit-ups in yeah. bed, that kind of thing. Leg lift. Yeah, I have one. As much exercise as you can. Yeah. Yeah, we, we have That's, an infrared. Yeah. Yeah. Super important. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, our listeners can't wait to read your book. That's for sure. Yeah, it's um, there's a lot of of information there. I'm very, very thorough with it all. So the biggest breakthrough, the the the, the creme de la creme, came towards the end of that journey in about 2008. And if you're ready, I'll tell you the story. Sure. Okay, so at this point, I had all these lists, lists of things, and I, felt I was feeling pretty good about 2008, 2009, and, um, but I was still getting, having panic attacks. I was still having really bad anxiety attacks in the middle of the night, and anyone that deals with sort of long Lyme, and now we're seeing this with people with long COVID, too. There's a very similar mechanism with, when you get brain inflammation, or this kind of inflammatory response really can create uh, uh, a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear, you know, uh-huh. it's, uh, it can be absolutely terrifying. So I'm having these panic attacks and I went out, I decided uh, in my sort of scientific adventurer way, I decided that I was going to go out to the desert and do a 10 day vision quest <laughs> and get to the b- bottom of Lyme disease. So I took myself out to the desert, and I sat in a place with nobody around um, for 10 days. And I'm out there in my little tent. You know, I remember thinking, okay, well, Jesus can go out there for 40 days. I can go out for at least 10, right? So I went out there. And you you did this in the wintertime, I hope. (laughs) (laughs) No. I, I, I I did it in the summer. And it was in the desert, oh. but it was a high oh. it was a high desert. So it was the oh, Mono okay. Basin, which is the Eastern okay. Sierra. So in the summer, it's beautiful out there. It's okay. super nice. That's right. Okay. And it's the temperatures are right. Yeah. And that was close um, to you, right? <laughs> it, yeah, that wasn't too far. You know, just a few hours drive. So that was the yeah, high ta- desert. Tahoe or and, Tahoe or somewhere. Yeah, exa- exactly. So I'm sitting out there okay. in my little tent, and I'm getting all sorts of of um, you know, it, when you're out in the desert, it's like, there's kind of like nothing between you and the universe, you know, and suddenly your, your, it's like your head starts to clear. And I, and I found that my intuitive qualities were heightened and a lot more, uh, messages and a big, big part of the book actually came from that, that, um, journey out there. 
But on the seventh or eighth day, I started having, in the middle of the night, I had a full-on panic attack. And I'm laying in my tent, and I'm panicking, and I'm in so much fear. And I just feel, it's like, oh, my God, I'm going to, I'm going to die out here in the desert, you know, and they're going to find uh, this withered little body after, you know, and you, you know the stories we make up. And, and, and I just, I started panicking. And I'm laying there, and I'm, I had this thought of, like, what is it I'm afraid of? Why am I so afraid of, of Lyme disease, of this little bacteria? Like, how could I be terrified of this thing that feels like it's taking me over? Or wants to take me over. And some people will say that parasites have a sort of crude consciousness or there's sort of like a crude intelligence to them. There's been books written on this. I'm laying out there and I didn't know what else to do. And suddenly I had this thought. It popped into my head. Love the line. And it freaked me out. I had this thought and I was like, love the line. And suddenly it was like a series of bells went off in my head, like ding, 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 ding. Isn't that what Gandhi said? You know, isn't that what Martin Luther King said? You can only meet hate with love. Isn't that what Jesus said? Bless the enemy. Isn't that what all these traditions and saints and sages have said for thousands of years to, you know, love the enemy, bless the enemy. And it was like, oh, my God, can I apply that to Lyme disease? Can we apply that to any disease? Um, I think we can. So I'm there in my tent, and I had this thought, and I'm like, okay. I took some deep breaths, and I started to breathe, and I started to think about the things that I loved to get me into that space of love. And I, uh, this is a practice I like to do when I'm having a panic attack, um, is think about the things that you love. Like, what do you love? I love rivers, and mountains, and trees, and my mom, and you know, and my my dog and my wife or whatever it is, you know, I started thinking uh-huh. about the things that I love, the, the things that keep us here, you know, that we really, because uh-huh. I think everybody would say at its very deepest core, we're here to love and be loved, right? Like at its right. very deepest core, what, what's that old song from Nature Boy, you know, the greatest thing that you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return, <laughs> you know, it's like, that's that's cool, that's deep, that's it. So I'm laying in my tent. I had this thought. I start holding the lime. I imagine what it looked like, which to me was like a little baby alien worm. And I'm holding it in my mind's eye, cradling it, just like I had done with my meditations, but I'd never done it with the lime itself. I'm holding the lime, saying, I love you. I love you. I see you. I love you. Why are you here? And I kept that feeling of love. And I kept holding it and cradling it and pouring my heart out to it. And it was like, oh, my God, this is like, you know, love the monsters. You disarm the monsters by sending them love, right? And I, uh-huh. I just, I'm laying there, and I started to have this sense about Lyme. And, you know, this may seem out there, but to me it seemed like it was from some distant galaxy or something. And it did have this crude sort of awareness. But I started thinking about it, and it's like, wow, this thing is at the bottom of the karmic totem pole it's alive it's still a living life form created Uh in this universe it is part of this universe and it may be at the bottom of that karmic totem pole but what does everything need to go up that little totem pole 
you know, to go to the next level is love. That's, there's some part of the line that's like a, you know, a fallen angel or something like that. That's a little dark uh-huh. fragment of the most evil thing. And we might say that about COVID, you know, it's this like evil uh-huh. little thing that just wants to reproduce and survive. And it struck me that like, I was, I thought, I imagined like, what if I was the line? What if we were something like that? Like, Oh my God, what a terrible existence. And I just kept holding it, pouring, pouring love out to this thing, and I started to feel sad for it. Like, I started to have a sense of compassion for it. Like, what a horrible existence. I'm sorry that this is your existence. And in that moment, I realized that I was weakening the bug, that it started to lose its power over me. All the anxiety and the fear started to go away in that moment in the tent. It was like, oh, you can't. You can't hurt me. I mean, you might, sure, you might take my body, but you can't really, really take who I really am, you know? You can't take my soul, my spirit, my love, whatever we want to call it. You can't take that from me. I love you. And I kept pouring it out thing, and it was like, it just, it was like, you know, the wicked witch of the West. I'm melting! (laughs) You know, it's like, (laughs) it wasn't, started to lose its power over me and the second most important thing that came to me that same night was after that moment it was just like when you in martial arts you often before you fight your enemy you'll look at them in the eye and you'll bow to them and that's like saying i see you as part of the universe i love you blessings to uh-huh. you. and then the second thing is and now i'm going to burn you to kingdom come and now i'm going to cut your head off and now I'm going to blast you back into the universe so there's this place of loving the enemy first and then second pulling deep within your gut your fire your immunity roasting it you know cutting its head off with the sword you know of liberation and that's why I call the book Liberating Yourself from Lyme, because you're really, in a sense, liberating the disease. You're freeing the disease by giving it love and then, and then saying, now get the hell out of my body right uh-huh. now. So what does it teach us? You know, and I, I, at that moment, I realized, like, oh, my God, Lyme has been a teacher. The disease has become a teacher for me, helping me to get stronger in my body, to have more love, to have more boundaries, to find those places that my immune system would be top-notch. And in, in the end, I was able to say, thank you, Ryan. And so there's this whole mantra that I say, and you can apply this to any disease. Thank it. What's it teaching you? What's it trying to show you? Bless you. I love you. And then burn it. Right? Thank it, bless it, burn. <laughs> Thank it, bless it, roast it, you know? Back to Kingdom Come. And that was what became most important to me. It wasn't necessarily all the pills and, and things I was doing. That all helped. It was that when I came back from the desert, that was pretty much it. It was like a switch that had flipped. And I was done with Lyme, like, shortly after that. Wow. That's an amazing yeah. story. Huh. I mean, it took 10 years. It took 10 years, but 
Yeah. But, but yeah. That's 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 the number one medicine. Is that I can tell well, you know, your listeners. Um, uh, personally, when I um, was diagnosed with cancer, and that was back in two thousand four. Uh, I didn't really. I, I did a lot of holistic stuff, and then six, seven years later, I found what was going to um, take care of it. And when I signed on to that particular treatment protocol, you know, my intuition told me that that's what I needed to do. And on yeah. top of that, I I bought into it. You have to buy into whatever it is that you've decided to do. That that your yeah. you know, your intuition. Yeah. Everything in your in your soul is saying this is what's going to get you. This is yeah. what is going yeah. to yeah. cure you. Right. Because right. too many times you'll find that people will go ahead with specific protocols, but they don't really buy into it. Yeah, totally. And then on totally. top of that, I was happy every day. I was incredibly happy. And I would spread that happiness and that love around me. And even though there was a lot of suffering around me and some of the people just couldn't understand how I could possibly be happy, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, what, that's what helped get me cured, and it also affected some of the other people around me. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I mean, that gets into the placebo you know, effect of, like, of, of us we're believing what that something's going to help us outside of us. It, it may very well actually do that. It, may, it might uh-huh. not, but that the most, most important place is to actually come from a place of, of uh, anchoring deeper into the love that we are. You know, it's not right. saying don't take your pills. It's saying that there's another place that's beyond when we know this, there's another place that's beyond that nothing can ever touch that light that, that you are, that sovereign, you know, infinite candle that's burning in your heart. Like no one can ever extinguish that. And to be able yeah, to anchor like, into yeah, that. Yeah. No, it's kind of like this, you know, it's, having a third eye, you know. It's like having a third eye. Yeah. Yeah. And it yeah. becomes a process. You know, it may take a lifetime. It, may, it took me 10 years to get to that point. And I still work with that. You know, I'm not perfect. I still, I still get sick and I still get ill. You know, but I have this tool in my back pocket, this, right. this intuitive tool, and I'm able to come from a place of like, of of, of sort of a almost a detachment from it of of like, well, okay, this is going on, but you know, this isn't who I am. I, I assume you that know, you read a, the book by I, I assume you read the book Biology of Belief by Bruce. Lipton. I did, yeah, yeah, I did, yeah, and I quote. <laughs> I, I just quote knew you did. Yeah, I quote him in my book, and I talk about the nocebo effect too. In the book, he's he's in there. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. thank you so very much for your for your time and your uh, your story, uh, listeners. I encourage you to go get his book, "Liberating Yourself from Line" by Vera McCoy. You can also go to his website, liberating what. LiberatingLime.com, right? com, And I also have some information on COVID there. And also, if you want to find me on Instagram, 
It's at Liberating Lyme. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, you're a, you're a bright light, a great soul, and thank you so very much for being with us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And uh, good luck and God bless and carry on. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye, Zir. Okay. Take care. Bye. You too. That wraps up our show for today. Join us again next Wednesday. We have incredible guests, incredible information. And please, everyone, be well. Bye-bye. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have. And follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at KnowledgeWorksPub.com. Be sure to visit GotCancerNowWhat.com for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What? Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.